Lord, and that is our prayer as we come before you this morning. That we would be like thee. So we pray as we open up your word. That you would stamp your image more into our hearts. We pray for your anointing over this time. For the speaking and the listening. That we would receive every drop of what you want to say to us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for welcoming our family again today. It's like we're back with family again. It's nice also to see so many together today. You know, in Manhattan, where we gather, uh, very few people are from New York City. Uh, so this time of the year, the whole place empties out. <laughs> so it's great to be with you all. Let's, let's read a few scriptures to begin the time. From Galatians chapter 4. We'll read Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. Galatians 4.19 says, My little children, for whom I labor in birth again, until Christ is formed in you. As that key phrase there at the end, until Christ is formed in you. And then let's read from Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1:26-28. Then God said, "Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth." and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. <laughs> 使他们管理海里的鱼、空中的鸟、地上的牲畜和全地，并地上所爬的一切昆虫。神就照着自己的形象造人，乃是照着他的形象造男造女。神就赐福给他们，又对他们说：“要生养众多，遍满地面，治理
I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And the burden that I have to share today is similar to this word that has been on the hearts of the saints here. We know that He is the creator of life. But not just life, abundant life. He doesn't just create life, He actually is life. And you know, we, we remember the Lord as we take the table. And when we were saved, uh, there's something we have to be very clear about. He didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. And we've been made alive in Christ. And this life that he gives us needs to be formed in us. So that's the burden I have today from Galatians 4, until Christ is formed in you. Now as background to what I'm going to share, as we go through scripture, there's a stream of seeing God creating, forming, and giving life. We see right there in the beginning in Genesis how God created life out of nothing. You know, there are different words in this Genesis account for create. And when it says he created the heavens and the earth, that was out of nothing. I don't know about you, but to me, that's abundant life. There's nothing, and then there's life. And then, of course, we know by the second verse in Genesis 1, there was a problem. And then we see from there, in the rest of that Genesis account, God refashioning his creation. The earth had become empty and void. And then God restores life. He breathed that new life after uh, that rebellion of Satan. And, 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 and in that passage that we read from Genesis, we see how God made man in his image. He formed man. And, and, and I, we can go through the whole Bible and use all the different examples of how God forms and gives life. We know how Israel comes out of Jacob. We see the word picture in the Old Testament of God being the potter and we being the clay. We come into the New Testament and we see how Jesus says we must be born again. How he creates that new heart in us. And the apostles go farther as they explain that in Christ we are a new creation. Right, so we're no longer the old man, we now live out of this new man. And then by the time we get to Revelation, we see in the future a new heaven and a new earth. So you see this stream throughout Scripture of God creating and forming and giving life. And, and Paul certainly saw this as he's writing this word in Galatians 4. 
This earnest plea that he has to these believers that Christ be formed in them. And the, the few points that I'd like to make today uh, are these. As we think about Christ being formed in us. One is that we are called to be image bearers of God. Next is that we are transformed into his image. And then we'll just touch some on that image of Christ, that character of Christ. So this first idea of being an image bearer of God. You remember there in that passage in Genesis 1, it said that God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. What does it mean to be an image bearer? Of course, an image represents something. Of course, we see this all the time. We take pictures of people and things. And it reminds us of that person or that thing. And, you know, we live in New York City. New York City is full of statues to people. What's the purpose of a statue? It's to point us back and remember the great accomplishments of this person. So when we think a little bit deeper about what an image bearer is, when we see it, it should remind us of some reality that's behind the image. Now, I can't help but give an example. It's an example that's something I grew up with in my childhood. So, if you grew up in my generation, you'll recognize this. There was a commercial on TV about Michael Jordan. Uh, Michael Jordan, yes, the famous basketball player. And actually, it was a commercial where he was advertising Gatorade. The sports drink. And there was a very catchy song that came along with the commercial. And I don't want to distract you too much by me singing it. <laughs> but, but the tagline was, like Mike, I like to be like Mike. So I, I see some people is bringing back memories of the 1980s. Okay, and what was the point of the commercial? Drink Gatorade. Play basketball. Be like Michael Jordan. <laughs> right, and the whole idea of this advertising campaign was to make you more like Michael Jordan. So drink Gatorade. <laughs> and and with, with this, in a worldly sense, they were trying to form you in a certain way. And of course, we, we sense this, even that word in Romans about being conformed to the world. That there are always influences trying to conform us. Trying to shape us in a certain way. But for us as believers, our calling as image bearers of God is a very great calling. Just, just think about, by the time man is made, God had created 
the birds and the animals and the bugs. But, but man was different. Man was the only created being that was made in God's image. All these other parts of creation point generally to God. But in a very specific way, man is to be an image bearer of God. Which means that we are to display what God is like. We are called to reflect what God is like. Sometimes, you know, we speak to young people and, and young people are always wondering, what am I going to be when I grow up? What, what's God's will? What's his, what's his direction that he's taking me in? And sometimes we miss out on the primary things in life. Our calling is to reflect God. And when we have things in the right order, all those other things fall into place. That's why Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You have that first love for me. And all these other things will work out. Now, of course, Adam and Eve were given this calling. But we know the rest of the story. Adam failed in being this image bearer by falling into sin. Eve is deceived and takes of the fruit, and then Adam knowingly takes that fruit. So the image was marred. But of course, that's only part of the story. We know that in Jesus, he's the last Adam. And he is that perfect image of God. We know what it says in Colossians 1. He is the image of the invisible God. We know what it says in Hebrews 1. How Jesus is the express image of his person. Here, why don't we read that Hebrews 1 passage? Uh, we'll just read from Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 3. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world, who, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Uh, 就在這末世,藉著他兒子小玉我們,也有早已立他為承受萬有的,也曾藉著他創造諸世界,他是神榮耀所發的光輝,是神本體的真相,常用他全能的命令托住萬有。So very simply put, when we see Jesus, we see God. So my question is, since Adam and Eve fell and we fell with them, does that mean that we no longer are image bearers? Of course, the answer to that is no. We are imperfect, but we are to point to Jesus. We are broken vessels. 
But the treasure of the life of the Lord has been deposited in us. His life, His abundant life has been placed in each one of us. And I think if we really appreciate the gravity of that life that's been placed in us, it would change our lives. That overcoming life, the one who, the only one who is worthy to open up the scrolls, that, that resurrection life that came out of death into life, is in me and in you. It's very easy to know this objectively in our minds. But when that becomes real in our hearts, it changes the way that we live. I was trying to think of other examples of treasure. And how if we had that treasure, how much we would guard that deposit of the treasure. You know, down in Lower Manhattan, there's the Federal Reserve Bank. And there's gold from countries all over the world. They store their gold there. And the, the security system that, that secures that gold is beyond what anyone actually can imagine. Why, why guard the gold so much? Because it's valuable. I was trying to think of maybe ways that we can understand a little bit more. Uh, you know, there's much news about Elon Musk in the world these days. Yeah, he's the richest man in the world. I don't know, if I was Elon Musk, I would really take care of my stuff. Or you think in, in the Bible, King Solomon was the richest man who's ever lived. People calculate that he was worth trillions of dollars. So much more than that. The life of Christ has been deposited in us. That testimony of Jesus is in us. And it must be guarded. So that we can reflect as image bearers who God is. The more we reflect Jesus, the more He is glorified. So I was trying to think practically, how does this look in our lives? And of course, the stage of my life, I'm, I'm married and I have four young children. And, and how so much that, that family life, this is... The mission field for me and my wife is to speak the, the, the truth of the Lord to our children. Because when, when kids, when our kids will look at us, they'll say, oh, this is what a man is like. This is what a woman is like. This is what a husband should be like. This is what a wife should be like. This is what a father and a mother are like. But even more than that, even if you don't have children, this is what a disciple should look like. When they see us, they say, this is what a, this is what a Christian is like. They're looking to us as image bearers of what it's like to be a disciple. And kids are amazing at observing. 
My kids can do a better impression of me than I can do of myself. So of course, when you think about the gravity of these children looking to you as their example, it really makes you think, what is first in my life? What, what image am I reflecting for my children? And I think the central question is, what is preeminent in my life? Not just what is prominent. See, it's very easy for to make the Lord just prominent and important in our lives. But there's a subtle difference that means eternity between prominence and preeminence. Prominence is importance, preeminence is everything. He's before all and in all and through all. So we see that this role of being a parent or just being a, a disciple of the Lord has great consequence. And we can't forget that we are those broken vessels. So we realize how much we need Him to shape us and form us more into His image. You know, as we come before the Lord today, we're all at different stages of this journey with the Lord. You may look at some people and say, ah, they have it all together. This person, this person has figured it all out. Perfect reflection of the Lord. I guarantee if you get to know them better, they would tell you they have a long way to go. We, we never make it. We're, we're always on that journey. But no matter where the Lord finds us today, He doesn't give up on us. He, he's always with that heart of wanting to form us and shape us. Remember that promise in Philippians 1? In Philippians 1, what does Paul say? He says in Philippians 1, 6, Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So we're called to be these image bearers. We realize we're broken vessels. So he's begun that work. Now we have to just respond and say, we're willing, Lord, to, for you to do that work to complete what you have begun. And that's why in Romans 2, it talks about, 12, it talks about that transformation. So this is that second point about transformation into his image. There's completion work to be done in our lives. Do you, you see this burden of Paul in Galatians 4? Take a look back at the verse in Galatians 4.19. He says, My little children for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. First you see this very tender uh, call from a spiritual father to his children where he's saying, My little children. And he's trying to get their attention to say, my, my children, I need you to pay attention to this. But then he takes it to another level in the next phrase where he says, For whom I labor in birth again. 
I've never given birth. I will never give birth. But I've been with my wife for all four of her births. That's pain. Okay. So when when we I think even if we haven't experienced it or have been in the same room, we can appreciate this concept of the intensity of birth pains. That's the burden behind Paul here. He's pleading with them for them to realize how Christ must be formed in them. He he doesn't want them to lose their testimony as image bearers of Christ. And he, he and he's confused. He's perplexed. And the next verse, he says, I, "I would like to be present with you now and change my tone, for I have doubts about you." He, he says in chapter five, "You ran so well. What hindered you from obeying the truth?" He's saying the saints, why are you going backwards? You, you received the gospel that I gave to you. And you're going to go back to circumcision? You're going to go back to the law? You have freedom in Christ. So he's pleading with them. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't be don't be conformed to the religious system around you. Be transformed as Christ is formed in you. There is nothing more urgent in our lives than for Christ to be formed in us. Because without that abundant life of Christ being formed in us, all of our Christian efforts are dead. As we share the gospel, we need Christ's life to be formed in us. As we serve, we need Christ to be formed in us. Have you ever served in the body of Christ and then just been kind of wiped out and tired? You've given all that you have. And then what happens is you start grumbling. Why does that happen? It happens because we're serving out of our own strength. When we serve in spirit, when we serve with the Lord's life, there's just a lightness that comes with service. It's not an obligation. It's not a frustration. It's not when, it's not when people let us down that you know we get frustrated. That can only happen, or we can only serve appropriately when Christ is formed in us. When we raise our families, we need the character of Christ to be formed in us. Otherwise, our kids grow up to be bitter. Right, we, they, they see parents who act one way on Sunday morning and then act a totally different way at home. We need more of Christ being formed in us. And that's, that's the abundant life of the Lord. But for that abundant life to really be transformed into us, our part is surrender. 
the, the way that that John the Baptist puts it, I think, is very well said. In John chapter three. John chapter three, verse thirty. Keep in mind, John the Baptist had a had a ministry. He's kind of a wild guy out in the wilderness. He's eating bugs and and just out there preaching, baptizing. But he knew that he was just a forerunner. You remember how he said when he saw Jesus, Behold the Lamb of God. So although certainly John the Baptist could have just sustained this ministry that he had going, he realized that true life was not about him. That's why his testimony in John 3.30 is so important for us. He says, He must increase, but I must decrease. He must increase, but I must decrease. For Christ to have his rightful place, for Christ to be formed in us, I must take the back seat. So John the Baptist surrendered the me for the sake of him. And this matter of surrendering ourselves is so central to unlocking the transforming life of Christ in us. Sometimes we use big Christian words. Like, like sanctification. What does sanctification mean? It means being set apart. The way to be set apart is surrender. Setting apart what is common and setting apart to what is holy. And that surrender is the foundation for Christ's life to be formed in us. It's like when we surrender, that outer shell of self-life gets broken that allows the, the, the transforming life of Christ to come in. And, and that word of surrender touches all different areas of our lives. If you're in the workplace, maybe that area is self-realization. The world is constantly trying to conform us to its image. Which is promotion, 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 more money, more money, more money. Everything that maybe that's not the right way to go? Maybe, maybe it is. But maybe it's not. This is where we have to surrender and say, Lord, what, what is your best? What is your way? And, and sometimes it's so tough because as believers, we're the best employees in our office. Why are we the best employees? We think of others before ourselves. We're humble. We're team players. We don't steal. We don't cheat. Or all the things the world does to get ahead, we don't do. And then when the boss sees you, they say, wow, this is a really good employee. Everyone likes this person. Let's give him a promotion. And all of a sudden, we get on that kind of uh, track of just continuing to get caught up in it. 
And before we know it, we've been conformed to the world. Maybe in a different way. Maybe for those of us who have walked with the Lord for a long time, the issue is self-sufficiency. You know, I've read the Bible through 20 times. I know what Ray's going to say next. I've heard this message before. We've figured it all out. And we become self-sufficient. We don't realize how much we need to depend on the Lord for everything. That's why it's so precious when, when Jesus gives that prayer, he says, give us this day our daily bread. It's a, it's a prayer of total dependence on the Lord. Instead of just relying on the, what we saw yesterday, we can come to the Lord today and say, Lord, show me yourself fresh today. Don't use yesterday's grace for the grace that we need today. We can go on and on. Self, self-righteousness, self-gratification. So if we say John the Baptist put it this way, he must increase and I must decrease. How would Paul put it? In Galatians 2, we know the verse. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the surrender of himself and seeing the need for the Lord's life. I have to imagine over this season of fellowshipping on this abundant life that this principle has come up. This principle that life comes out of death. We die to ourselves, He lives. And it's almost like a direct correlation that the more death to ourself, the more life of the Lord comes out. And this happens not out of our own strength. We, we can't just make this happen in our lives. The way God works is He works in mysterious ways. Sometimes I would love to just have a, a, a checklist. I love when my wife writes the, on the, the, the board, these, these are the honeydew things. I need you to do these things. It's easy. They're clear expectations. I feel accomplished when I do them. The Lord doesn't work that that easily. He works by He works by transformation. This, this word in Romans 12 is very interesting. So we've already talked about how the world tries to conform us. And conforming is more of kind of an, it speaks almost of like an outward forming. But this word transform is the same word that we think about with metamorphosis. It's like metamorphosis, as a caterpillar turns into a butterfly. There's some inward change. It speaks of being changed into a new form. It's actually like transfiguration language. Totally new. 
So that's why I said at the beginning, we're, no, we're not just better versions of our old selves. We're actually new creations. And for some reason, we just don't believe it. We still try to live out of like a better version of the old life. But we're new creations in Christ. And He's the one doing this transforming work in us as we surrender. And what's our part in this? In one way, very important way, it's yielding. It's yielding to the Holy Spirit. And as we yield to the Holy Spirit, the power of His life is able to come in and conform us. I think we understand this concept of yielding if we drive on the road. I, I recently took a driver safety course. I found out I could lose 10% of my car insurance. So you got to take this six hour long class online. It's, most of the stuff is just so obvious. And then it'll, but then it'll pose some different situations, and you have to figure out what should you do in the situation. So it posed a really interesting scenario at one point. Let's say four cars come to a four-way intersection at exactly the same time. It's easy if there are two cars. We know the right of way. The one who gets there first or the one to the right goes first. But what happens if there are four cars at a four-way intersection that are all there at the same exact time? What do we do? And this worldly class had no idea what they were saying. They said that someone needs to yield. I was like, that's it, that's my message on Sunday. At some point, we have to yield to the Lord. We can continue to fight to get our way. But we can yield to the Holy Spirit. The Lord is living and active and always speaking to our hearts. Are we willing to step back and say, I yield to you, Lord? Not my kingdom come and my will be done, but your kingdom come and your will be done. And that yielding is that transforming process as each situation comes before us, choosing to yield to Him. And in this Romans 12 passage, the, the verb tense is very interesting. It's not just a one-time thing. It's not like we yield once and then we're done. The, the verb tense is called present continuous tense. Which indicates a process. In this moment, yield. And the next moment, yield. It makes me think, you know how it says John talks about abiding in Christ? And then in First John it talks about he who abides in me will not sin. I always thought, how can that be? 
It's a daunting task to think about abiding in Christ from now and forever. How can I always stay in that place of abiding? But the key is just in this moment, right now, am I abiding in Christ? I don't have to figure out tomorrow's problems, next year's problems, and the temptations that may come. Right now, abide in Christ. In the same way, right now, we yield to the Lord. And, and the more we yield, the more we're transformed into His likeness. And, and, and it speaks, remember how I mentioned at the beginning, about He is the potter and we're the clay. As we're yielding, He's forming more of His life in us. And we're reflecting more of His image. So I just want to kind of end with this thought of what that image of Christ looks like as it's being formed in us. So what's the, the, the evidence? What does it look like when we see Christ being formed in us? It should be more of the character of Christ. Christ walked, someone prayed during the Lord's table time about how Christ walked in that perfect way. I, it's indescribable to describe our Lord Jesus. Remember how it was said of him, he does all things well? Just tempted in all ways, but sinless. And, and undergirding so much as we look at, if we really like study the character of Christ, there are some things that really stand out to me. And I'll read a verse from Matthew 11 just to speak of this, this character of Christ. In Matthew 11, the last few verses there in Matthew 11 is something that we often come back to when we're going through difficult times. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn it from me. But then here's the key, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Gotta catch that. that. Jesus is describing himself. Do you want to know what I'm like? I'm gentle and lowly in heart. I think the words maybe that we are more familiar with would be meek and lowly. How different is meekness and lowliness than what the conformance to the world looks like? The world draws out our pride and our self-recognition. When we're transformed and Christ is formed in us, it's meekness and lowliness. What, what is meekness? Meekness is humility in relation to God. And what is, what is lowliness? It's humility in relation to man. So when you put meekness and lowliness together, you get humility. And there's no better example than our Lord Himself. 
we know that he humbled himself and became obedient unto death on the cross. And because, sorry, and because he humbled himself, he was exalted. This is so different than the world's ways. I, I, I remember just a quick story. I remember years ago uh, at work. I wanted a promotion very badly. I was doing very well at work. Getting very good evaluations. And I was due for a promotion. And I really wanted it too because we were having more kids and I can use more money. <laughs> so the, the opportunity came up and I got passed over. They chose someone else. And I thought I really deserved it over that person. I, I was disappointed at the least, I'd say. And through that process, the Lord really humbled me. Just had to get to that point of accepting that His ways are higher than my ways. And when I finally got to that point of, of humbling myself and accepting that, I was then free. And I just freely served and worked again. And then soon thereafter, another promotion came up. Something that was exponentially better than the first one. And the Lord gave me that. It was through that process of me just humbling myself. And just trusting that God has a better way. Was teaching me, allowing that character of Christ to be formed in me. So that's just an example of how the, the character of Christ is formed. Often it's through circumstances. We, we think these circumstances in our lives just happened. But if we believe that God is sovereign, He knows what He's doing. He puts us in situations. He puts people in our lives. Oh, he, he puts us in families. Uh, he puts us with brothers and sisters. And there's so many different circumstances that the Lord is working on us to transform us. And, and, and the, the time would fail to go into all the ways that He uses His Word to transform us. But just think about how it says how uh, in John 17, sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth. So not only does he transform us through circumstances for Christ to be formed in us, but he forms Christ in us as we spend time in his word. I know there was a call about joining fellowship groups during announcement time today. He forms Christ in us as we have fellowship with one another. So this is, this is our life. A life where as we yield to Him, He forms more of Christ in us. And, and the more that Christ is formed in us, the more of His abundant life is expressed. So let, let's have a word of prayer just to turn back to the Lord and thank Him for His mercy as we go through this process. Lord, we realize if we look to ourselves how short we come, 
How short we come of expressing that image of Christ. That character of Christ. But we're thankful that because you're a loving Father. You didn't just leave us alone to figure this out on our own. You've given us your word. You've given us brothers and sisters. You've given us your Holy Spirit to teach us to yield moment by moment. So we want to turn to you and say, Lord, we surrender ourselves. In, in, in a real way, we want to have this testimony of John that we would decrease and you would increase. So that your image and character would be reflected in us, your image bearers. We thank you, Lord, that we can fellowship on these things. And, and we look forward, Lord, to how you will continue to work in all of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.